Hello and welcome to Ask Eve, the porn episode. <laughs> porn, wow. Well, this might end up taking a while, <laughs> maybe more than one episode, because as you can imagine, this is a huge subject area and I've had lots of questions and comments from you guys. Thank you, by the way. And uh, well, we'll just see how it goes. How about that? <laughs> As always, these are just my opinions, except in the cases of historical or medical facts. But um, I will let you know that I studied sexuality at university and part of my day job is somewhat connected to um, s some parts of the softcore porn industry. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Before you ask, no, I do not do porn myself. <laughs> so um, my opinions are based on some experience uh, with the industry and those who work in it. So, okay, first of all, just to be clear, pornography literally means writing about sex. But that definition has been expanded over time to include any kind of art that depicts sexual acts in a way that is meant to excite the viewer or the reader, obviously. But sexuality is the key, uh, which is why for some people, nude pictures like those in Playboy, etc. are not porn, because the model is merely naked, even if her appearance is meant to turn you on. It can be a fine line for many people, but um, I myself believe that for something to be pornography, it has to involve real sex. So nude pictures are not porn, and neither are most erotic audios, because um, in both cases they're merely photos of a naked person or an artistic performance of simulated sex, respectively. And part of the reason I make this distinction is because you can't classify anything that could turn someone on as porn. People can get turned on by the Sears catalogue or by My Little Pony. <laughs> it doesn't make these things porn. And I will get to why it's important to make a distinction at all later. Porn is not new, not by a long shot. It's been around pretty much forever. <laughs> Many of the um, earliest symbols and statues that archeologists dig up involve some kind of sexual figure or act or something. Usually the ones with the huge penises or breasts. <laughs> um, the Romans and the Egyptians were completely unashamed of their sexual imagery. In fact, in the preserved city of Pompeii, the one that got completely destroyed by Vesuvius, you can see penises carved into the sidewalks and the walls uh, kind of indicate this way to the brothel, you know? And inside the brothels, the walls were painted with all sorts of sex scenes, presumably to get a client ready for his appointment. <laughs> But lots of cultures had a fascination for sex imagery, most notably India, with its um, temple sculptures from the Kama Sutra, and uh, Asia, they had these delicate brush drawings of all kinds of sex. So porn went underground in the Dark Ages, kind of, and then it re-emerged more publicly after the Renaissance, with drawings and sexual books, things like that starting to appear. The drawings were usually kind of bawdy and funny and, you know, making fun of sex, but they were around. And then when the camera came along, well, everything just exploded. At first, pornographers would accept anyone who was willing to have sex on camera. 
And so the early photos of sexual acts are full of fairly unattractive people, let's be honest. And yet they did all the same things you see in porn today, including all the weird positions and threesomes and, you know, everything. You name it. If you get a chance to see some early sex imagery, it's worth a look. But when moving pictures arrived, so did porn movies, <laughs> which gradually became more and more sophisticated, involving more storylines and more attractive or well-endowed performers. And one of the interesting things about looking at porn from its early days until now is that you can clearly see what era something is from based on the fashion and hairstyles that sort of thing. 1930s porn features women with, with that sort of short hair bob that they all used to have. 70s porn had the aviator glasses and the, and the stash, the porn stash. And uh, the 80s, oh dear God, the 80s. Big teased hair, geometric plastic jewelry, lots of makeup, so on. <laughs> and this is because of one aspect of porn that I'll touch on a bit later. Porn is only ever a mimic of the culture around it at the time. It pretty much never creates anything new on its own, with the one real exception being how men and women groom their pubic hair. <laughs> and I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so porn kind of scurried along in the underground for decades, uh, remaining illegal and something that could actually land you in jail until gradually the laws loosened up and movie theaters sprang up to accommodate the typical perv in a raincoat guy that wanted to uh, fap to technicolor sex. <laughs> and then things like VCRs and DVDs made it possible to enjoy porn more discreetly in your own home. But you still had to go out and buy the tapes or the DVDs from a store. And that was a bit embarrassing for most people. And so when the internet arrived, oh, well, it was a boon for pornography and those who watch it. Just almost everybody. Because for the first time in history, you could just beam this stuff right into the privacy of your own computer once your wife was asleep, of course. And while I don't object to pornography on principle, this is where I think it all began to go wrong. I'll explain this a bit more later when I get into some of the problems, I think, that come along with porn. So, I've had a lot of questions about why things are done the way they are in porn. And I'll save some of the more, shall we say, philosophical ones <laughs> till the end. The first thing that I really want to address is the reality of porn, or rather, the unreality of it. I've heard from a few people uh, who've noticed how fake porn is, and at the same time, how the standards we see in porn seem to have become the standards that people expect in reality. So everyone is really confused. They know porn is fake, and yet they feel bad about themselves if they don't look or act like what they see. As I mentioned in my Ask Eve episode about cock size, men started to question their own worthiness as the cocks in porn started getting bigger and more outrageous. And women have always felt bad in comparison to the young, thin, big-titted girls in porn. And nowadays, the women in porn are increasingly beautiful, even fashion model beautiful, and the men are catching up in that area too. So when you add to that the constant message that women should be instantly and insanely horny for just about any kind of sex at a moment's notice, that men should be able to fuck like jackhammers for 20 or 30 minutes and then just 
shoot, ropes a come on command, and that good sex means being able to execute any and all strange and acrobatic positions, well, you can see how the pressure starts to build up. The mere mortal in this situation will naturally begin to feel kind of inadequate. And quite frankly, if you look at many of the requests that show up on GWA from mostly newcomers, it's clear that most of them are kind of fantasies that are taken directly from porn. You know, the, the guys have seen it, and so naturally they want it. Whether it's wanting you to put down his fat wife, or, you know, because of course, all sex partners should be thin with huge tits, right? Or all the incest stuff, or <laughs> all the violent and rough stuff, and or the, or the long, vivid descriptions of going from one sex act to another in a visual sort of way. This all comes from men's minds being constantly fed this unrealistic, emotionless, dark, and, you know, frankly, depressing view of sex. And I think it may also be responsible for much of the uh, kind of pseudo-lesbian things that we often see here and on TV and movies. You know, the assumption that all women will naturally want to be with another woman, or even better, in a threesome with a man. And I must stress here that I am in no way suggesting that some women aren't legitimately interested in both sexes. Of course they are. And some are only interested in other women. Of course they are. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the women who really aren't. You know, they really are just straight. But they pretend as though they are either bisexual or lesbian in order to fit the modern expectation that all women will readily agree to sex with another girl. This definitely comes from porn, definitely. So to help dispel some of the myths about porn, I put together some behind-the-scenes images to show you what the reality is. Because we're talking about visual porn, right? As you can see from the first few images, a porn set is a busy place <laughs> with a lot of people around, all of whom are very desensitized to it. And like workers in any job, they are all looking forward to quitting time. The performers themselves often feel the same way. They're, it's a work day for them, nothing more. They take lunch, they text their friends, they do their banking, you know, and they, and they can't wait to go home. They don't like their co-workers, even the ones that they've just, you know, sucked off. <laughs> they don't like them any more than you like your co-workers, but it's a job. Filming a sex scene can be extremely difficult, as I mentioned in the audio about cock size. You can see how the camera and sound people have to be right there, right up close. And so any passion or abandon you see is clearly manufactured. No one could be that oblivious with a camera up their eyes like that. <laughs> the director will often stop the scene in um, mid-screw, as it were. <laughs> and the performers literally have to stop, just stop, get their makeup retouched, take direction, change something you know, wait for camera or lighting adjustments, whatever, and then immediately return to the previous state, you know, moaning and fucking and whatever it was they were supposedly so enraptured by. And a lot of what you see in porn is utterly fake, meaning it isn't even what you think it is. As I mentioned in the Ask Eve episode about coming, those gushing female squirting videos you see are just extremely watered-down pee. And quite often the cum you see squirting all over a girl, if you don't see it coming out of a cock, it's probably not cum. It's probably a mixture of diluted glue and water being squirted on her from a squeezy thing. 
by a underpaid production assistant. <laughs> ah, the truth. Um, the soundtrack in porn is often overdubbed and added later. So the moans you hear are not really the girl in the video. And neither are the guys. But you probably know that. They don't often worry about making it match up with the lip movements. <laughs> Sounds a little strange. And there are no amateurs in porn. If it's filmed with any kind of decent camera, if it's lit properly, if it's distributed by any company, the performers are all seasoned pros. There's just no question. They may be sold as amateurs, like marketed as amateurs, young teenagers, virgins, whatever, but they are never any of these things. Um, so don't believe that you're seeing anything other than a professional film with professional adult actors. There's just too many complications involved in using anything other than that. So that's why they do it. Now, I mentioned pubic area grooming before, and this too is a big concern for porn stars. In the early days of porn, pubic hair was like, well, God, people had like, you know, bushes between their legs, like hair everywhere. But um, since that was, you know, A, kind of gross, and B, a risk for contracting diseases and lice and crabs and whatever, and C, hard to film, <laughs> most important, porn stars started removing most, if not all, of their pubic hair. And that led to most women, and some men, doing it in real life, too. So that now it's very common for a woman to have nothing but a thin landing strip of very neat hair leading down to her pussy, because she doesn't want to not look like the women in porn. It's the one real situation in which porn has influenced the way everybody else leads their lives. Um, porn stars, though, have to do more than just shave. <laughs> Women and men in mainstream porn, women more so than men, but still, um, they get Brazilian waxes pretty much weekly, sometimes more than that, or else laser hair removal. And neither is comfortable. In fact, both are quite painful. But with such close focus on a woman's pussy and ass, <laughs> the last thing a guy wants to see is even one errant hair. Or at least that's what the porn producers believe, and I will get to that later too. Oh, and speaking of asses, ah, yes, this is a little blunt, but we're all grown-ups here, so. <laughs> I think. Um, no one does anal sex in porn without doing enemas first, sometimes more than one. Some porn stars will even, like, not eat for 24 hours before an anal scene. But everyone, trust me, everyone makes sure that their insides are all shiny and clean. And this, I have to stress, is also the reason that in some of the more sensationalist porn, you'll see these ass-to-mouth scenes and those, those really baffling ones involving milk. I mean, what the fuck? Anyway, it's less of a health risk to the performers who do this because they know their partner is exquisitely clean inside and out and they use antiseptic mouth rinse after the scene is over. But what they don't tell you is that if you do this without the proper preparation and aftercare, you run the risk of infection and possibly even a serious or fatal disease, maybe like uh, hepatitis C or something. So, you know, don't believe that this is a common sexual practice either. It is very much filmed just for the cameras and with a great deal of thought and preparation put into it ahead of time. It's not something that you should just mimic because you see it in a porn. Before anal scenes, some performers will also inhale amyl nitrate drugs. 
they're called poppers and um, they have lots of trippy and ultimately headachey kind of effects but primarily they're taken to help relax the smooth muscles of the anus to make penetration easier I'm not going to say that that SPH word that I just can't stand <laughs> this is my show I can do what I want um, these drugs are banned in many countries because they're dangerous and they can cause cancer but if your job is to routinely take like two monster cocks or somebody's entire arm up your butt or something you know you might decide on the lesser of two evils right <laughs> so maybe through all this you can see why your girlfriend isn't keen on just you know spontaneously spreading her ass cheeks for you and saying yeah shove it in there big boy you know it just doesn't work like that in real life but porn makes people think that women should be ready and eager for this at all times now again I'm not saying women don't enjoy anal sex of course some do of course or that each person is different and anal sex is easier for some than, than for others of course that's true I just want you to keep in mind that what you see in porn is not reality and you should neither expect it to be nor be disappointed in your partner if she doesn't live up to these so-called standards that um, porn puts out there oh and um, another thing most of the men you see in gay porn if you've ever seen any aren't gay <laughs> just like the women in lesbian scenes they aren't lesbian either this is merely a paycheck to many of them and what they really want in a sex partner has no bearing on what they will do on film for money they'll lick pussy or suck a cock it really doesn't matter to them so it's just an interesting tidbit and lastly porn only shows us one very narrow view of sex almost without exception it is soulless unemotional rough sometimes to the point of violence and utterly without context it is scripted to include only the most salacious things and it often outdoes itself with more and more outrageous and shocking acts or situations and it tells you absolutely nothing about how to form a relationship how to get to the point of sex with someone how to approach sex if you love the person that you're with and what to do and expect after the orgasm it does not distinguish between couples and groups you know kind of implying that there's nothing special about sex between two people and that well you know fuck the more the merrier you know so of course you should share your wife with other guys and of course you and your girlfriend should have threesomes with girls you meet at the club what's the big deal you know they do that in porn all the time right well <laughs> yeah just you try that in real life and find out how um, fraught with difficulties this can be um, I think that given that a lot of porn consumers are virgins this can lead to a lot of very screwed up ideas about sex and relationships and I think it's largely responsible for the huge numbers of very unhappy relationships and and really lonely people so at this point you may be asking well why is porn like this why is it so fake and if it's so bad why do we watch it and why do they keep making it this way but I have talked your ear off long enough for now so that's the question I'm going to deal with in depth in part two along with probably some suggestions on alternatives to mainstream porn some porn sites that I like that I think really kind of handle it well how to include your partner in watching porn if it turns you on and how it can be a healthy part of your life there's no question it can be but uh, that's for the next episode
And um, just so you know, the episode after that is going to be about um, how to approach your significant other <laughs> about trying new kinks or fetishes that you're not sure how she's going to respond or he. Um, so if you have more questions about that, I've received a lot of questions on that subject, but if you have any specific question that you'd like me to address in that area, just let me know. Send me a, a PM and uh, tell me what you'd like me to address, and that will make it into the next episode after part two. So thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>